This episode is brought to you by Elo, the Creators Network. You can go to elo.co or download Elo's iOS app in the App Store to explore, discover, and share your work on Elo's ad-free network. And with Elo's new Buy button, you can link a post directly to a product in your shop, empowering you to support yourself through your work and ideas. Elo, empowering creators around the world. As well as MailChimp, the easiest way to send email newsletters, connect with your audience, and grow your creative business. This is the Great Discontent Podcast. This conversation was recorded in front of a live audience at the Wythe Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, as part of TGD Live, a monthly interview event series. Your lovely and well-dressed host for the night was Tina Esmaker. Enjoy the show. Hello. Thank you, Justin. I can hear you chanting my name. We, we agreed to do that beforehand. Um, my name is Tina Esmaker. I'm editor-in-chief of The Great Discontent. Um, if you haven't heard of The Great Discontent, it's a print and online magazine uh, featuring interviews with today's artists, makers, and risk takers. Speaking of magazine, we have our fourth issue. I don't know if anyone in the crowd has this, but we have copies here. If you want to check it out after or pick up a copy, you're more than welcome. Um, they will be over in the bar, so grab a drink and grab a copy of the magazine. Um, we uh, have a great show for you tonight. This is our seventh show this year, which is kind of crazy. It's really flying by. Um, if you haven't been to TGD Live before, it is um, a monthly event where we have interviews and performances in, from, in front of an audience, which is you. So thank you so much for coming out tonight. Um, you can listen to audio from past events on our podcast. You can go to thegreatdiscontent.com to do that, or you can search for us in iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. We're in Stitcher now. Um, we have a wonderful show. We have three guests tonight, and we've interviewed them all before for print or the web. And so tonight will be like a Where Are They Now TGD Live uh, and uh, I'm excited to catch up with all three of them. So I want to introduce our first guest. I'm not going to bring her up yet because we're going to play a short video for you, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Our first guest is a classically trained pianist and self-taught electronic music producer. Her name is Olga Bell. Uh, born in Moscow, Russia, and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, Olga is currently based in Brooklyn. She's worked with a. She's worked in a wide range of genres, including classical, electronic pop, and Russian folk. She has also played in chairlift and dirty projectors and collaborated with Tom Vec under the name No Thank You. So we're going to play a short video. Um, it's her single, Randomness, which debuted in March, and it's on her most recent full-length album, Tempo, which came out in May. And uh, so enjoy the video. Um, if you are listening to this on the podcast, you can go to olgabell.com and watch the video. Uh, so enjoy, and then she's gonna come up after and we're gonna chat. All right, please welcome Olga Bell to the stage, everyone. Welcome. Hey. I can't believe we interviewed you uh, four years ago. Oh, it's babies. crazy. It's babies, like, chatting with babies. I know, babies. Um, so I want to hear about what you've been up to since we interviewed you, and I want to start with your album, Tempo. And I read that when you were making the album, or maybe prior to, you did a lot of research, which included going to dance clubs. Yeah. So tell me about, yeah, tell me about what inspired the album and the process of making it and your research. Yeah. Well, it seems, it seems that we're uh, at, at a time, I think, in, in the general like social climate. At least I was feeling like I just didn't 
didn't want to do very much thinking and just wanted to like find a space to be physical and to try and just all the sort of usual dance tropes of like getting free, getting lifted, you know, um, setting aside your sort of quotidian um, cares. And, uh, and, and I also, it, it kind of coincided with my seeing um, the film Paris is Burning, um, which this particular video is a little more, more closely um, related to that than, than some of the other album materials. But um, yeah, and, and just realizing that I had been living in New York City for you know eight years and I knew relatively little about this incredibly like important cultural moment and um, this this like musically the moment when disco sort of like turned over into house music and then techno and everything else that came came from that and and how important and how to this day we're still referencing so many whether it's like through dance music I mean people like Lady Gaga you know appropriating all of that um, so I don't know probably more of an answer than <laughs> you needed but uh, yeah um, so. Paris is burning, wanting to dance, feeling like the world is getting to be really sort of brutal and just like trying to find a safe, happy space in which to just be. And, um, and, and just learning about like tons of, of, of dance music from the, from the early 90s. For this particular video, we watched a lot of um, Crystal Waters videos for like references. Yeah, I was gonna ask if you worked with a choreographer and if, yeah, so did you have those moves or? Yeah, well, I had a, a little bit of an idea of, of what I wanted to do. Part of this this whole record, and, and again, kind of like going back to 90s dance music, was um, just remembering how I moved to America from Russia, um, from the Soviet Union at the time, um, in 1990. And so some of my earliest and most like vivid pop cultural memories are of watching In Living Color and like that show Roundhouse, which was like the Nick like spinoff. <laughs> um, and uh, and like running Manning with my friends at sleepovers and uh, and and just it being such a like joy joyous and super sort of kinetic way of um, expressing myself and I think that serves as a real counterpoint to the like classical music that I um, was doing at the time as a child. Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was a great time for like I mean it. it Maybe it's always a great time for dance music, but I just felt like I needed to learn about about that that time as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you you've been really busy. Uh, when we interviewed you before, it was funny because you you had kind of a list of things that you wanted to do that you told us about, but you said that um, you just want to be really busy, and you have been. You've also been, in addition to putting out your album Tempo, you've um, played in other bands, you've toured, you've done some collaborating. So will you tell us a little bit about I those things? I think our interview must have happened before I was like a touring musician. So for uh, up until about 2011, which is when we spoke, um, I'd been working on my own music. And then in 2011, I was asked to by my friends in Chairlift to be part of their touring band. And so on their second album cycle, that record that it was called something. Um, I got to be in their band, which was awesome. And then um, about a year later, I was invited to be a touring member of Dirty Projectors, which was also really awesome because these were two bands that I had, you know, looked up to tremendously. And um, yeah, it, that was super formative. Um, and then I, let's see, that tour, Dirty Projectors touring concluded in about 2013. 
And then the following year, I released this like Russian record, which I thought only my mother and I would ever like care about. <laughs> which was the the largest composition that you've written, like yeah, a full length. Yeah, it was composition. sort of this through composed like return to concert music thing, and it was a, a forty minute um, album uh, that that I that that was all through composed, and uh, yeah, and then a couple couple years later, I had an EP in twenty fifteen. And um, this record just uh, just a couple months ago. <laughs> and you played some shows, and now you're done. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm touring in September with Floating Points. Okay. I'm in sure the a U.S. Lot of people here are Floating Points fans. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we are those yeah. tickets for sale? Their tickets are for sale. Yeah. Can we? Where can we get on, those? On um, <laughs> the World Wide Web. Okay. Information just search and purchases. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about creative satisfaction. Um, I will revisit, you know, how you answered this previously. About four years ago, you said that I do feel creatively satisfied with the future, if that makes any sense. I know I have a lot of work to do, but I know I can do good work. Um, So considering everything that you've done over the past four years, do you feel creatively satisfied now? I feel like the mission of, of the great discontent, every time I see that, I'm just reminded of the fact that you have to maintain this sort of, like, agitation within yourself and discontent um, in order to grow. And so, and, and I guess it's sort of a, it's like this balancing act between feeling like you're a total POS. We're, we're on evening radio, right? We yeah. can say that. This is an evening show, um, we can say whatever. And, uh, and like, if you think about it practically, like the odds are totally stacked against you. And, and, and then also you have to balance that with this little delusion, like you have to feed your you know, eat Pokemon ego just enough to, uh, to, to, to believe that your work is worthy of people's attention and time and like clicks or whatever dollars points. Yeah. I think we all have to be a little delusional because if if we're not, then we don't spend the time doing the work. Then we should all be like finance people. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. No offense to the finance people. Um, (laughs) Science is awesome. Yeah. Science? Yeah. Finance. Oh, finance. I thought you said science. I misheard you. Science is awesome. Oh, yeah, finance. I mean... (laughs) Finance is different. Finance is... Money is good. (laughs) Um, So as an artist, you are constantly exploring new genres and evolving and challenging yourself to try new things. So I'm curious, like, where does the motivation and drive to do that come from? And what happens when you get stuck? Do you ever just feel stuck? I think um, I've I've always loved the like adage or cliche of putting some salt in your cookies or some something sweet in your like pasta sauce. <laughs> so um, I always I always feel with with music, which is what I know that like it's it's better when it sort of reaches in a little in some some sense towards its opposite. So as soon as I feel like I've really like done something, like this was my exploration of dance music, particularly like '90s dance music, is particularly Detroit techno and like its many manifestations. Um, that like the next thing that I want to do, and maybe and maybe this is this is like. I'm sure that some people would see this as totally like the wrong approach because they're like, oh no, you should specialize. You should just do this one thing and do it really well. But I find myself sort of most like challenged and in I feel like my work is enriched by like just sort of pendulum swinging around so I did this like in 2014 this concert music 
Russian folk album. And then this record is completely the opposite where there it's all sort of sequencers and electronic and um, there aren't, um, are you getting cold? I feel like I'm like becoming a robot of air conditioning. Sorry. It's a little chilly, <laughs> um, but it's so, it's been so hot out. So I'm trying yeah, to, I'm no, trying no, to, let's just, let's just, trying to let's just get into enjoy it. this. Um, but yeah, I like, I feel like art is better when it kind of like reaches for its opposite. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you're talking about exploring instead of specializing in one thing, because it's so easy to like hit that one note that resonates and then just stick with that. And I, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about consciously, consciously making a decision to not do that and to continue to explore. Um, so what is next for you? Like in the next few years, what are your hopes? Um, what are your I'd, goals? I'd really like to work um, a lot with uh, some like some rappers. So I hope that's in my future. I like I I've I've been I've been listening to a lot of like Jay Dilla lately and thinking about rap beats and like that sort of small like morsel that plays over and over and over and how 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 good it has to be. When I was a kid, when I was in high school, um, I would like play like Tribe Called Quest beats and Wu Tang beats on the piano because it was cool. It made me cool because I didn't play any sports, but I could do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have uh, one more video that we're going to play of yours, and I'm going to let you introduce it and tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, so this next video will be for a song called ATA, um, which stands for A True Account, and it's um, uh, this, the song was written, the, the lyrics are inspired by a Frank O'Hara poem called A True Account of Talking to the Sun at Fire Island. And um, the video is a collaboration with an amazing uh, Japanese artist uh, called Baku Hashimoto. And he, um, just a technical note for all you design people, because I know that's mostly who, who we are, who you are. Um, he did all the um, 3D sort of um perception play painting by hand which is really cool so so how long did it take him to do that um it seems I think he did involved. it with insane speed <laughs> um really quickly like this came together in yeah like a month or so <laughs> awesome cool well we're gonna let you guys enjoy this video and then we have some more guests for you okay if you've ever heard a podcast before you've likely heard of mailchimp but it really is true mailchimp is the easiest way to send email newsletters if you're looking to connect with an audience or grow your creative business, you've got to give MailChimp a try. It's easy to set up. It's easy to use. There are flexible design options that make it so simple to create a great looking campaign. And let's say you're putting on an event in Chicago and you only want to email people that are from Chicago. MailChimp's powerful automation and segmentation tools make this easy with just a few clicks. Plus, with MailChimp's mobile app, you can manage lists, add new subscribers, send campaigns and view reports all while on the go. Getting started with MailChimp could not be easier. No expiring trials, no contracts, no credit card required. Just sign up and start emailing now. Go to MailChimp.com to create your free account today. Thank you, MailChimp, for supporting the Great Discontent Podcast. Now back to the show. That was incredible. Olga Bell, everyone. Um, all right. I'm going to bring up our second guest, um, she is an illustrator, fine artist, and designer in New York City. Originally from Richmond, Virginia, she studied at NYU's Gallatin School of Individualized Study and has been working in illustration and design ever since. She's worked with Nike, Ford, Hurley, IBM, Vice, Marvel, 
and TED Labs, and is always pursuing personal art and explorations. Please welcome Sarah Blake. Yeah. Hi. I have right. to follow that. You want to show us your moves? I, this not, world, this didn't have enough drinks for that. No dancing or singing. I if, if I do karaoke, it's time to take me home. Okay, that's the rule so, with but me. But what would be your go-to karaoke song? Do you have one? Oh gosh. Um, you know what? Probably a blues traveler song of all Really? Days. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's like the most random thing, but I and know then all everyone the words. joins in, and then you don't have to sing it alone. I don't even remember the to. name of the song, but it's that fast it's one. It's the only I think, one we all know. Because you know, Jimmy Kimmel does. does is it Jimmy Kimmel who does that like karaoke off or whatever? No. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon. It's yeah. a Jimmy. It is. Um, yeah, they did that, and I was like, I can do that better. Do you want to know what my song would be? Yes. Okay, <laughs> Jolene by Dolly Parton. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, guys, do you want to go to karaoke later? Let's not. I'm feeling the vibe. Okay. Let's, let's not do um, a podcast. Let's just turn this let's into a karaoke. dance party followed by karaoke. Okay, <laughs> that's going to be the next show. Um, Got to get you up here, Olga. <laughs> so we interviewed you, I think, three years ago. And um, I'll take a peek at my notes here. At the time, you were, I think, an art director at IBM? Yeah, I think so. I um, And I've had a long kind of permalance history with being a freelance art director with um, through an agency called Havas for IBM. And it's kind of been... Um, this this long, wonderful love-hate relationship with trying to balance uh, your side passions and the things that don't necessarily always pay your bills with um, uh, a day job that, um, you know, I think when I was younger, I, like, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I had this other thing that needed my time, but I had to pay my bills, but I was a little bit, um, like, rebellious against it, and I wasn't appreciative of it, honestly. Um, and now I think... I, it, it's taught me a lot, and I'm I'm a little more respectful of um, that experience. But I w I've had a long uh, long run with them doing design work, not, not completely different from illustration. Awesome. And are you still just to catch up on your career since then? Are you freelancing full time now? Are you still working with them? Or I actually w just went back full time. I couldn't even believe it for about three months, and I worked with an amazing, wonderful team. But uh, you know, I think it was like I can do this. I can be a full time person, and then I just got the bug again. And I think you know, you know, many of us get it. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stick with it. And my project was wrapping up, so I didn't feel like an asshole. Um, I mean, a little bit, but um, a great, just, yeah. And so I just decided it was time to jump again and, uh, and start balancing um, freelance design and freelance illustration. Awesome. And I want to talk about some really big news in your life. You, things have recently come full circle. You are from Richmond, Virginia, and you recently made plans to be by city, meaning you're going to spend time between New York and Richmond. So um, I'm curious to hear, like, what led to that decision and how do you plan to spend your time in each city? Um, I'm still figuring it out, but, um, I think it was, you know, I think a lot of us probably have this relationship with their hometown where you're like, you know, F that place. I'm never going back. And I'm like in New York now. And, um, and I never thought I was going back to Richmond and all of a sudden I'm, I've been in New York for 14 years and I just sort of felt like I needed, I love New York, but I needed something else. And I, you know, as a, now in my thirties, I went back home recently over the summer for like a family vacation. And I was like, oh, this place is actually quite magical and it has so much history. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a Libra. So sometimes I weigh things like incessantly and sometimes I'm very impulsive. And so I just went back the last time about three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm moving, I'm moving back. And so the goal was to kind of create a creative space, um, 
like a physical space to kind of have a studio, but also bring people together like yourselves. And um, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with Richmond, but um, VCU, the arts, well, it's a it's a amazing public university, but their arts department has just blossomed and in, like insanely in the past ten years, and it's bought a. I'm sorry, am I? <laughs> it's brought, brought a ton of artists and, um, and just diversity and amazingness to the city. So the plan is to get involved somehow uh, with their community. Awesome. So maybe teaching? Maybe teaching. Maybe teaching. I, I've, I don't know if I, I should um, jinx it, but I've applied for a, a foundation arts uh, teaching job. Awesome. So we'll see. We're all crossing our fingers it's for you. It's very competitive and awesome, but um, I'm hoping very cool. Um, I totally resonate with what you said about, you know, thinking about your hometown or where you come from. And I think that it's very, very good to get out, but it's, there's also this kind of like myth or this idea that you have to be in a big city to create or make a living doing something creative. And I think, man, if I would have stayed in my hometown, my overhead was so low. I could I have know. done whatever. I could have quit my day job forever ago. I don't know why I waited to come to New York City to quit my job, my real job, you know? Um, so um, I guess like my question is, talk to me about like the whole idea of you have to be in a certain location to create, like what would you say, maybe not to us in the room because I'm guessing most of us live in New York, but to people maybe listening on the podcast who are in a location where they feel disconnected and they feel like they can't create because of where they live, like what words of advice or insight can you offer? Um, I, it's it's a balance, I think, because I feel like we're all very uh, lucky to have to live in an age where we can really do anything with the internet. And I would not, you know, I wouldn't have met half my friends and creative collaborators and employers without the internet. Um, but at the same time, living in a big metropolis where we can still communicate like that, but also say, and now let's grab a coffee. And sometimes an in-person meeting, just just how you have you you communicate creative feedback or you engage with someone, it's more of the like. Um, empathic visual things that you need to, you know, be in the same room with another human for. Um, so I, I think it's a balance of of, of both, and I, I I'm I like having both, but there's definitely that like little inkling of fear of you know I'm going back to Richmond and like am I never gonna have a job again ever? <laughs> but I don't think that's true, and um, I don't know if that answered your question, but. Uh, you know, I, and, and New York especially, I just think it, it's just, you know, this lamp that attra attracts all these, you know, you know, uh, we're all these creative insects, if that's a, <laughs> an accurate analogy. But, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think this is your biggest risk that you've taken so far? No. And I don't even know what... I mean, if if I if this, this is a fuck-up, it's like you just... You've, it's easy to fix. You just move back. But um, it's definitely scary. I think, you know, moving locations, uh, friends, routines, that's hugely scary. But um, I think the biggest risks have been uh, more uh, m more and kind of like a vulnerability um, place for me. I'm really shy. Like even just being in a room with you guys is is scary. So I think it's more just creatively, um, whether you're a performer or a visual artist or a writer, you know, putting yourself out there and also like accepting the possibility that people might shit on you and it might suck and you don't believe in yourself. That's way scarier than moving to another town. <laughs> well said. <laughs> well, on that note, let's, let's bring up, uh, let's bring up our third 
and final guest of the evening. Um, he is an Australian freelance illustrator and art director based in Brooklyn. He's been creating digital art for over 15 years and has been a full-time freelance artist for the last eight. He is the creative director of the Depth Core Collective, which is an international art collective that he established in June 2002. In 2013, he started a 365-day challenge to produce a piece of art daily for his year-long facets project, which we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, please welcome Justin Maller. <laughs> All right. How's well, it going? I, I, not bad. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. Um, so we talked to you two and a half years ago. Almost I feel like three. it has to be longer than that. I know, you, I know you said you looked it up. I did, Had but I started we talked earlier, we talked? I'm not great at math, so um, it could be longer, but I, I think it's about two and a half years. Okay, because I started Facets beginning of 2013. I think you had just started it, right? but okay. it hadn't, you hadn't, yeah, you'd, hadn't just, you'd just gotten into right. it. So it wasn't a 365-day project yet, it was a maybe he'll do this project. We were, we, yeah, we were like, he's doing this daily project, he's done it for a week, we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to do a project every day for a year, but it's hard. I, ha I haven't done one. You, you should have. do it, is what you <laughs> um, should do. Yeah, I mean, how I talked to us about that. Like, what, what did you learn from putting, from making a piece of art every day for a year? And how did you discipline yourself when you had, like, a really shitty day and you just wanted to, like, veg and watch Seinfeld or something on Netflix? But it helps that my art's really easy to make and doesn't require a lot of skill or time. So that, that was really to my advantage. Um, so, uh, hang on, I'll go back to the first part of the question. So when we did that interview, right, I hate the interview I did with you. I've bitched to you about it every time I see you. Because it was the worst time in my whole career. Like, I was miserable. I hated, like, the work that I was making and I hated everything that was happening, which is why I did Facets was because I was creating like this like incredibly overwrought work that I would work on the same piece for three weeks and it looked like shit and I hated that it looked like shit and so I would work on it more to try and make it not look like shit and that didn't work. <laughs> um, so I did facets where it's like, all right, I'm going to just make one thing today and then when it's done, it's done, right? And then you just move on and do the next thing. Um, it kind of ties back to what you were saying before about not thinking. Really suits me. Like, <laughs> come up with one overarching thought, have one thought for the year, and then not have to do it again. So, yeah, I mean, but, like, the discipline part's not hard for me. Like, I was like, well, I'm going to do it for a year, and I said I was going to do it for a year, so just did it for a year. And then, there were certainly some days where it was, like, 9 o'clock at night, and I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, okay, okay, it's fine. Like, it's 9 fine. at night, you're out at the bar with friends, and you're like, oh, i got to go home and do this. A couple thing. of them, yeah, I woke up in the morning and I was like, oh, wow, that's terrible. <laughs> but it was done, which was the point of the project. Um, so what did, you, what did you learn from the, like, maybe not learn, but did you have any opportunities that came out of doing the project or did you just feel more satisfied because of doing the project? Because you weren't satisfied with the commercial work you were doing? Okay, so the satisfaction came from what I learned from the project. So I was able to, I mean, I came out, you make a piece of artwork every day for a year, you're going to learn some new ways of making artwork. Like, you're going to get bored with what you made the day before and try something new. And it's that pendulum swing. I'm never following you again, 
ever. You said all of the clever things. You had the amazing videos up there and whatever. How, that, never, I'm never forgiving you for that I'm either. Sorry. You uh, put her on if, last. If you guys are listening, he's talking to Olga, who's scr oh, scrunching down in the front sorry, row. Sorry, podcasters. Um. <laughs> the angry Australian man is pointing and yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so I came out of it with like some style, like a refinement of a style that I'd worked in for years. And I came out with a whole new really geometric style that has been the bulk of the commercial work I've done since. So there's been like incredibly tangent, like obviously tangents that was like this led to this, which is very satisfying. It's cool that all the work that went into that, like not only did I come out of it like a, a better artist, but also like, you know, career was good. It's been wonderfully beneficial and so, satisfying. So doing that project really, transformed your whole, your whole portfolio and what people approached you for commercial work? Whole portfolio. Whole portfolio, just wiped out. Um, and then you also recently, I don't know if this was recent, but you have a t-shirt and product line called Helmetica. Yes. Um, tell us about that. Well, so how did that even start? So that was, the, that was one of the styles that came out of Facets was the really geometric things. And one day I applied it to Master Chief or Darth Vader, I can't remember who was first or why I decided to do it. But it turns out that kids on the internet really like Star Wars. They do, big market, yeah. good work. So, yeah, that was, that was a good accident. And then there was like all these requests for more and more and I was like, I may as well do it. And I'd been in talks with a, a buddy of mine, Brian Garofalo, who used to be the uh, creative director for DC Shoes and started his own t-shirt company called Yo Shirt and we've been talking about doing it forever. And that work had been really well received, so it was like, you know, why not give that a shot? And it's just sort of snowballed from there. And do you, so you sell physical products. Do you handle all of, like, the shop, shipping? No, I, I have a business partner, Brian Smith, who's been my um, partner since, like, 2004. We built Depthcore together and did all of that, and he does so much stuff that makes my life easier. Okay, because I, I was going to ask what you've learned from working with a physical product, which is so much different. We, when we started doing the magazine several years ago, we thought, oh, we'll just make a magazine and ship it. And there's well, so- learned You can't have that much shit in one place in New York City is what you learned. Um, no, I mean, just, well, yes, that, but, <laughs> but just all that. the logistics, it's well, the logistics and the support. And when you, when um, the postal service loses 80 orders and they're like, we don't know where they are. Um, and I have 80 people emailing me. No, it's just crazy, all of that stuff. So you you were smart. You found someone who didn't mind doing that stuff. And Brian is a saint, and I okay. love him. Okay, so we all need a... We need, if you're going to sell products, you need a Brian. Yeah. You need your own Brian. you, you got to get a Brian. <laughs> I love you, Brian. Brian. I'm Shout sure out to Brian. To we'll really. put him in the show notes. I don't know what I'd do without him. Like Having someone like that who sort of just lets me make artwork and not have to... The best... I thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good advice though for anyone who's who wants to start a project or bring someone on. Like if you can find someone who um, complements your skill sets Absolutely. and wants to do the things you don't want to do, like that's the most dynamic, powerful team you can accomplish so much. Yeah, it's a good it's a good business model for mm -hmm, sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask some questions that uh, both of you are going to answer. And first off, I think you guys knew each other before I met either of you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. remember, like, how long well, have you guys known each other? A long time. It's Justin is uh, thankfully responsible for that. I think it was through Depth Core, yeah? That or J-Date. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was Deathcore. Deathcore. Um, and you had just moved from Australia, so it was yeah. a long time ago. Yes, yeah, so that was seven years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, right. So we're getting old. Aren't we? And uh, and uh, Justin had this amazing collective of amazing illustrators who I had just known from being a fan of their work on the internets. And uh, and you, I think you emailed me, or I emailed. I think I emailed you. It was one, I don't know. But we got involved somehow, and I just started kind of contributing artwork. And Depthcore is amazing because you can just sort of... The, I, I'm relating to a lot of the, of everyone's thoughts about, I just don't want to think. I just want to intuitively make art and just feel it. And I think so much that so many other... Overthink so many other parts of my life that I just want to just spit it out into the world and see what happens. And that's what really what um, Depthcore seemed like a really um, nice repository for all that sort of visual creation. So um, that's how we met many moons ago. Um, Okay, I want to talk about the evolution of your careers. And I want to quote Justin on the interview that he hates that he wants to redo. Um, Maybe we'll redo that someday in full. Um, but tonight we're going to revisit parts of it. Um, so when we, when I interviewed you previously, uh, you were talking about how our careers evolve and you said, I think people have an exaggerated expectation of the timeline that their career, that their creative career will unfold in. This doesn't happen in six weeks or six months. Like any other career, it takes years. You work a shitty job, do artwork on the side and get better on your own time while you experiment. I feel like that approach is somewhat lost. Um, so my question for each of you is, do you, does that resonate with you? Like, is that what you've done? Um, that wasn't bad. Yeah, actually. that was really good, right. right? Was that not good, guys? Um, yeah, I, and there's, there's peaks and valleys as well. Like, when we spoke that time, that was a really deep valley for me. Um, and seeing that that's going to end can be hard, you know, but knowing that it's, I think a lot of people have careers like that where they shift, they move to different aspects of it. And the expectation is just like, I'm going to make it and then I'll be made and I'll sit around and smoke joints with Jay-Z and that's how. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like having friends in the audience. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah, but no, it's an evolution and it takes time and hopefully when you get to being old like we are, you're at a point where you've got some, some more control over it and there's a little bit more steadiness to it, but there's always ups and downs and yeah. Yeah, I think that's just being older. I don't know, personally, I don't feel that creatively. I still I still feel like a baby. Like I look at all my work and I'm like, I haven't even started like everything. I like I feel like everything is shit and I just need to practice more, um, which I think is kind of, again, like what you guys are getting to with the grace discontent. Um, uh, but yeah, it's been like for me, especially it's been a balance of a day job. And um, and I also like uh, one of our friends, uh, G Monk, like he's always said this about his p- portfolio is he puts everything he makes on his portfolio because it's just like this motivating thing that visually confronts you every day if you have it up in your web browser. It helps that he's a genius. It doesn't. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> um, Bradley G Monkowitz is like, yeah, 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 he's you should check out G Monk. Shout out, Bradley. Um but yeah, I, and I think that's also, you, as you were saying, the Facets Project, forcing yourself to just have something, even if you do think it is shit. Like, sometimes for me, um, I'm, I, you guys are probably not familiar, like, even how I work, but it's, like, hand-drawn stuff. And sometimes it's just really hard to sit down and just start because it's scary. <laughs> Uh, that's that's the end of my answer. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> and I was going to ask, um, what would each of you tell someone who is 
feeling stuck and just being really like very impatiently waiting for the next phase of their career? Um, you have to, I mean, you can't wait for like, there's not going to be that phone call when your dream job, sometimes there, I, I guess there is, there's something really surpri that'll surprise you. That's a great opportunity. But, um, I think as Justin was saying too, like everything that has ever come to me has been through self-initiated work that never paid, paid anything. Absolutely. Like, but like never. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing where if you're unhappy with the situation that you're in and it's just stuck, 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 you need to change something in that situation. And like a situation is really your day. You need to change something in your day to day. That's going to affect that outcome. You can't just like keep, well, maybe you can. But no, it's, it's, always, it's always trying something new and taking a risk. Do you think the first step, I mean, what would what would the first step be if you were doing the same thing every day and just really waiting for the next phase or waiting for something to happen to you? Instead of waiting for something to happen to you, how could you take initiative to do something different? Like, what would be your advice? I like that pendulum analogy from before, like swing to the opposite of what you've been doing or at least explore another interest that has just been maybe lying fallow for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, I'm a I'm like kind of an OCD person, and I keep really crazy long lists. So I will keep, I have a long list of things I want to make that are is several years old, and sometimes the things on that list are completely irrelevant now. But I keep it going, and so sometimes if I'm feeling stuck or I can't start, I'll just pick something. What's um, the last thing you added to it? Um, I want to. There's a my my someone. Uh, I talked to someone that have has a publication called Coyote Blood. And I was like, that is an awesome image. So that's what I'm going to draw next. <laughs> awesome. That's good advice. Um, and I guess maybe this, maybe you've already answered this, but how do you think we can appreciate the stage of our careers that we're in rather than despise it? Like, is there is there a trick or some kind of insight? Like, how can we try to appreciate where we are? That's a tough one because I, I think that in general, like just our society right now, that's like a bigger issue where it's just so difficult to live in the moment where like we're always on our freaking phones and I, I don't have a good answer to that because it's a challenge. Um, Justin? <laughs> I mean, it's a leap of faith. It's a leap of faith of listening to like maybe creative people who you like and like I, I, I don't feel like there's anyone who's ever been asked that question who like what, what you were asking before about the evolution of a career, who was like, nah, man, it was great. I became awesome immediately, and then I stayed awesome forever. So if you suck now, it might not work out for you, homie. I'm sorry. Like, I think anyone that you speak to will say that there's lulls and there's those valleys that I was mentioning, and maybe you have to have a little bit of faith that that's you as well, that you're not immune to that. Yeah, that's good. It's. I think that we look at people and it, it seems like they've always been at that level. Like when I look at someone who, who I look up to, I just feel like they've always been awesome and totally badass. And even when we interviewed you, you said that was a r real valley for you. I had no idea. Okay, so if you guys ever get interviewed by Tina and Ryan, they're really friendly and they get you drunk. We don't do that with everyone. You were a special. I forgot I was being interviewed. I know that's the point. Oh, it was and there's terrible. A <laughs> and there's a tape recorder, so you can't yes. take it back. <laughs> yeah. But in fairness, you do have a chance to read it over before it gets published. Thank God for that. Um, but yeah, I just I think like 
you never know what people are going through and you never know their path unless you ask. And I think that, I mean, that's part of what we're trying to do with The Great Discontent is to talk to people about, okay, what has your career, career path really been like? Not just what we see online or what you talk about at a conference. Like, tell me about all the shitty stuff, but also I still want to have a little bit of hope at the end of it. Yeah, and I think this is kind of an easy easy one that we forget a lot, and it's just like, it's like gratitude. Just remember that we have, like, hopefully we have roofs over our heads, and I think we it's so easy to focus on all of our lack um, and, what, and, and how we're not good enough, but also just remember, like, I'm so lucky to That's be in so this important. city and with all of these creative people around, and just, like, focus on the good things for a second. And gratitude is something you can practice as well. Yeah. Like, every time when stuff is, like, shitty, just think about what you really have. And That's, I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it can be really easy to focus on <laughs> Oh, yeah, and it feels good. Yeah, it does feel good. I'm miserable. <laughs> it's I'm so emo. <laughs> Fuck this. And then if you can get a friend to join in with you, right? Oh, that's even better. Oh. Together. Get a bottle of wine, um, it's great. Yeah. Sometimes, feel fat. But I think, <laughs> I think it's okay to do that once in a while. Like, sometimes you just need to, like, allow yourself a moment to do that, but then you have to, you have to set a limit. Yeah, you can make good art out of Olga said... Yes, you can make good art out of that, but you also have to be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to get back at it and start over again. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, Sarah, I'm going to quote you, just bringing up all this all this good stuff from your old interviews. Um, you said something that I continue, continue to go back to, which you touched on t earlier tonight. Um, you said you're not going, or you're going to have to do certain things to make money and certain things to fulfill yourself creatively, and they're not always the same thing. And this is a quote that I, I go back to a lot because it's it's so true, and it's something that I don't think we talk about enough. Um, you guys both do a lot of self-initiated work, so do you look solely to that work to fulfill you creatively, or are you looking to your commercial work as well to, to fulfill that? Um, I, I mean, personally, I have, I sort of feel like I have a split personality with design. Like I have two different websites even for design work, um, and my illustration work. And, um, and like, I think when I was younger and less grateful, I was, I felt like I'm just, this is design prostitution and this is so not me and I don't believe in it. But now I'm like, I, you know, I'm not just saying this, like I'm really grateful for the people I've met and the experience and like having, especially if you're an independent illustrator you and you are hired by a client that is helping you pay your rent, you have to be empathetic to what they need. So that's a great responsibility. But then you just like take that for what it is. And if you don't like it, like suck it up a little bit and be like, I have this other great idea that no one's going to tell me to change green to blue and I'm going to make it awesome. And I might not even put it on the Internet or let anyone see, but it's going to fulfill me in a different way. Um, and so and also like sometimes I think um, I feel lucky to actually kind of make a living doing other design work that's not necessarily how um, connected to what I like to make purely for art, but you know, if I if I didn't have that, I would like serve coffee or like do something else that's completely different to pay my bills. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything to add, Justin? That was pretty good. It was good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so I have one last question or, or one last topic I want to talk about. You guys know that I like to ask about 
goals and legacy and kind of, you know, looking into the future, what that might look like. And so I want to revisit how you guys answered that question in your interviews. And the question was, um, what kind of legacy do you hope to leave or, and, or what do you hope to work on in the next five to 10 years? Um, so Sarah, I'll start with what you said. You said, um, I want to make much larger pieces, which is difficult because I work pretty small and everything is scanned and colored on the computer. Um, I'd like to do an entire space from floor to wall to ceiling. I'd like to do some installations, but really my biggest goal is to be happy, which means having time to ride my bike, run, do art, and not be broke. <laughs> um, I have accomplished zero, zero of the first goals, and my answer to the second part is still the same. Um, I think that our biggest... Um, um, gift is to experience, you know, life on planet Earth. And um, if you get to be creative and make shit, cool. But like, I want to connect to my family and my friends and, um, and sleep now that I'm in my 30s <laughs> and enjoy life and be and enjoy consuming other people's creativity too. So my goals are the same. <laughs> yeah, that's good. And Justin, you said, uh, your answer was, I try to be a good person and take care of the people around me. I'm not trying to be the greatest or the biggest or the shiniest. I'm just trying to be a decent bloke. Do you feel the same? It's a good goal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I still try to do that stuff to varying degrees of success. Um, how, how do you guys um, think that your goals or how you view legacy will change in the coming years? Like, or ha have they changed since? They've changed a bit for me, yeah. My career is like, path has gone a bit different and things are great you know doing being hired to make the work that I make so it's not like change green to blue anymore it's like I'm getting hired to like make just the things I want to make which is great and that's definitely a direction I want to keep sort of expanding on and moving towards like really having that where there's just a lot of trust between the people who I work with and myself and that I fulfill that trust and just sort of keep moving on on that path and towards that so there's a wonderful independence and a lot of fulfillment that comes from, from that, I think. Yeah, and I think that, that, again, talking about how long it really takes to establish a career or for your career to evolve, it takes a long time to gain that independence. Yeah, I mean, you said I've been freelancing for eight years. I need to update my bio. It's like 10 or 11 years now, and I'm yeah. just getting to the point where I'm, like, really being hired to make my work. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I got that off your site, so you might want to update it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two years off. I think it's, it's in the range. Yeah, it's, it's in the range. Um, so I want to ask you guys, I guess this, this is the, the last question. Um, how do you know when it's time to change things up? Like you've, you guys have done a lot of different personal projects and even commercial work and gone through seasons of your career. Like how do you know when it's like what I'm doing isn't working, time to make a change? It's always really gradual for me. Seasons is about right. Like I'll start to get bored with something and start very slowly sort of drifting to the next thing. And you know, it gets really interesting here when you're halfway between this and the ultimate realization of the next thing. It's like, oh, this is cool. And then just, you know, like a leaf, just backwards and forwards. I haven't had to make a radical change since facets where that was a time to change my mental approach to, create, to creating. Everything since then has been more aesthetic and yeah, softer, I guess. Do you think you'll get to a point, like another facets point, where you reach kind of a plateau and have to change things a little more drastically? Almost definitely, yeah. But I'm, I don't know when. I'm, I'm having fun for now. But yeah, it, it'll come for sure. 
Cool. And Sarah, how do you know when it's time to make a change? Uh, I think for me it's also gradual, but uh, it has a lot to do with influence and um, experiencing other places, traveling, and kind of becoming obsessed with your you know, whatever is in front of you. Um, and I don't know that m m I've changed my work too much um, you know, I, I used to do really bright stuff, and I think um, I got muted down. And I think that was hugely influenced by being in a gray city for a long time. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and also because of the nature of, like, the vicissitudes of working a day job and then illustration, I'll take long pauses. And it actually allows an opportunity to step back and kind of evaluate, do self-evaluation, um, which, you know, I, in a perfect world, I would always be working but and you know on the flip side it also provides that opportunity so that's how it happens for me usually do you think that um being based in richmond is going to change your work or your aesthetic or your i i hope so They'll, it'll probably get a lot more green <laughs> um lots of cicadas in my work from now on <laughs> a lot more nature well we're all going to come visit We'll do an event down there, guys. What do You're you think? All invited. We'll all come visit and get our fill of nature before we come back to the concrete jungle, right? <laughs> um, well, those are all the questions I have for you guys tonight. I really appreciate you coming out and sharing your stories. Um, again, Olga, Sarah, Justin, thank you so much. Uh, thanks for coming out, guys, and we'll see you next time. This episode was produced by The Great Discontent, Wayward Wild, and me, Benjamin Welch. I also did the ad music. The Great Discontent features conversations with today's artists, makers, and risk takers. You can learn more at thegreatdiscontent.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating in iTunes. It really does help spread the word. Thanks so much for listening.